Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on recent sermon themes, current events, and church goings on. If you'd like to submit a question or a discussion topic, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org, and we'll keep you anonymous unless you specifically say that we can include your name. In this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons In Gathering with Water Communion and A Place to Belong, both of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hello. Happy fall. Welcome back. Yeah. Happy fall. I know. Happy there's like foliage year. happening. Not sort of. where I am, but that's <laughs> It can be found where I am, but you have to yeah. go looking. Um, this is your fourth year. I know, which minister. is really weird. I didn't really like my third year. I didn't quite have this like, oh, I've been here for a while. <laughs> but yeah. now this year I was like, oh, Yeah. This, we're we're in deep at this point. And this is like, yeah, that means this is our fourth year doing this podcast. I know, which is wild. Um, it's so much. I was just like thinking about how much more we prepared for it. In the beginning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We would practice the whole podcast before we did it before it. Now we don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has noticed. We're just Surely so much not. more, you know, practiced. Totally, totally seamless, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we start with what I did on my summer vacation, <laughs> little summer book report, now that yeah. we're back to school. What did you learn this summer? Um, I learned some reproductive rights training. Yes. So we all, so the, I think there were like five of us who went to this over the summer um, that was offered by... Side with Love, which is the sort of justice organizing body that's part of the Unitarian Universalist Association. So we went to this training together on Zoom. Yes. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about like the general themes and like some of the stuff we learned? Sure. Um, So it was sort of an organizing 101 type training, um, talking about kind of the building blocks of how to organize and how to discern um, sort of who to organize with and, and your risk tolerance and all these different things. Um, so it was less specifically about reproductive rights um, and more about sort of fundamental skills and perspectives about how to be in relationship and how to organize effectively um, and how to assess. Like one of the things that we'll, we'll be talking about in the service next month that we're doing is um, risk assessment and so sort of understanding as a community both like as an individual but when you're doing justice work as a congregation as a community um, how you assess risk and what your tolerance to risk is because you need to know that to inform what kinds of actions your community is prepared to engage in Um, and we went through like a sort of example case study that was um, with one of my friends who's a minister in 
I always get this wrong because I confuse North Carolina and South Carolina. It's in the Carolinas. Um, mm-hmm. She lives in the Carolinas and works there um, doing organizing work, which, of course, is like a very different atmosphere than in Massachusetts because like there's an active KKK group in her town. Right. And that's very different than what we're dealing with in Massachusetts. Um, and so it was it was trying to help us think through like where are you and what are the risks of where you are um and so like how does that inform how you're going to engage and and who you will engage with and who your sort of adversaries might be and 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 understanding from all of those things what the risk or benefit would be because like there were ministers on that call from like small town texas Mm -hmm. which is a very different evaluation than like you know we live in like a liberal suburb of boston um so it was i think it was really interesting um i'm sort of curious i'm curious to see what you think about it too and i think um i had already like i took a whole class in grad school that was basically about organizing and did a workshop so to me this was like oh right yes i already know this and this is like a good reminder about these things and interesting to sort of talk about organizing practices but specifically related to congregational life um Mm -hmm. but i think for people who hadn't had any kind of like specific training before it might have been kind of earth shattering um yeah because it was a very different approach to organizing than the sort of lone wolf i'm gonna go outside with a sign kind of protesting um which i was really excited about um so i'm curious to hear what you thought yeah well i think it's um it's also pretty different from uh like short-term like reactive yeah yeah. actions right so crisis it was response. definitely right so crisis response can be like really galvanizing and politicizing to a lot of people like yeah. i know like the protests of the summer of 2020 yep. were pretty instrumental in like sparking my like yeah being more politicized being yeah. more involved being more like doing more research and i think that's yep probably true for a lot of people in our congregation yeah um and i think like with all of that like all of that energy all of that like fiery response that's reactive that's like fear anger indignation right mourning grief like all of that really loud immediate stuff is a good spark but it's it's a big spark and it burns right out and so I think this was a good exercise in like recalibrating that understanding of like, hey, if you're doing long term stuff, right? Um, it's it's not sexy. Yeah, and, no, like, it's there's it's, people who have been glamorous. doing it for no, there's people who have been doing it for a really long time before you. Yeah, and like your indignation is powerful. And it, it should it push you, you, yes, it should push you into relationship with people who have been doing the unglamorous stuff for a long time and are right. probably way ahead of you. Right, um, right. So we, those of us who attended those trainings who were from UCSW, like we met 
a few times on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking a little bit about like what kind of actions we wanted to do. And then we sort yeah. of ended up taking a step back and saying like, well, we have right. some foundation building to do before right. we really do anything. Because right. like we are trying to move together and this is like a really new way of thinking and being for this congregation exactly and so there's like foundational steps to take before we you know do issue specific stuff related to this there's like general stuff around how we approach justice work that we have to do that is some people are going to think is boring and annoying and slowing yeah, us down. Yeah, because again, it like it's not, you're not going to feel like you can pat yourself on the back because you did a good thing because it's these yeah. harder questions of like, how much are you willing to put at risk? And who do you already know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did like relationship mapping, like what organizations do we already have relationships with? Yeah. Like whose lead, whose local would we want to follow? That kind of yeah. stuff. Which I was kind of surprised because there is sort of this like, oh, we don't do justice work or we don't do that much justice work. Like that complaint has been complaint has been raised before. And then like going through all the organizations that we have partnerships with, I was like, hold up a second. Like, yeah, we actually we are not a silo at all. Well, I think what we don't don't need to is. Yeah. We don't get on buses and go protest in D.C. And if people think that's all like. Do we need to? Justice is that helpful? Right, right. Yeah. So, a lot of the justice work that we've done is like, also, it's a little bit more, I would say, like, I don't know if this is fair to say, it's like more one offs than like long term, like, co-strategizing relationships. I think yes, and and the things that have become long-term, we don't think about as justice work because they're not glamorous, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, we have a pretty good relationship with SMOC, which is the South Middlesex Opportunity Council, which, you know, does meals and does clothing and does all these things for um, economically disenfranchised people. But, like, collecting bologna (laughs) doesn't, like, (laughs) seem cool right it just doesn't have the same like i'm gonna save the world sort of me against the bad guys feeling um Mm. and i will say too the like the the big point of or points of conflict in terms of how the congregation has thought about justice work in the past have been around the issues of putting banners up on the building and that has been seen by some people as being like if we don't have a black lives matter banner then we're not doing justice work. Um, and conversely, on the other side, there are people saying, why are we putting up a banner if we're not doing justice work? Like the mm. banner isn't justice work and we're lying. If we put up a Black Lives Matter banner and we've done no self-reflection about like the whiteness in our own congregation and how we respond to change and how congregations will need to develop and shift if new people arrive um so so the the sort of the example you gave of like justice work is just going to protests like yeah that has been that has been sort of a an ideal that has been held by certain people in the congregation um in a in a way that minimized other ways of being um 
or other sort of relationships or ways of doing justice work. So I'm excited about this group and this sort of framework that we're operating inside of with with our reproductive rights group. Yeah. Um, yeah, the October 9th service that's going to start, like, I mean, I already heard you starting to introduce some of this stuff in the sermons from this month. Um, but <laughs> that's because I already I have been known going. to have consistent thoughts. <laughs> try to make the same point repeatedly maybe you know <laughs> no, I was, maybe part of the preaching thing <laughs> I no I was like listening to the sermons and I was like ooh foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> well because we've been planning the, the, the October 9th service like while uh-huh. I was writing other sermons so I have no yeah. doubt <laughs> that it's yeah. you know running wild in my subconscious trying to yes. get out there so people you know know that we need to be welcoming and inclusive yeah like I feel like a lot the undercurrent that I heard running through is like or like instead of like being in a circle and just looking at each other with our backs to everything around us it's more of a like hey what's behind us if we're in the circle right who's (laughs) not here where who are we in the community like yeah at large yeah um but yes the october 9th service is going to include um a risk tolerance survey activity from you um from me yes uh and it's gonna be data and it's gonna be nerdy amazing Um, so we lifted some like risk tolerance like spectrum type questions directly from the side with love trainings um and they talk about different like axes of risk like Mm -hmm. how do we feel about like involvement of our financial resources how do we feel about like breaking the law to support people seeking medical care Mm -hmm. how do we feel about like individual versus communal like direct action that could result in legal problems yep how do we feel about taking a public stance so like a scale like scales of one to ten where like one is like generally risk intolerant and ten yeah. is like let's go <laughs> yes this is my Do favorite right idea <laughs> um, absolutely not to definitely yes <laughs> yeah um but also like not just like some or a lot of risk but like yeah it, specific it, it gets also at specific kinds and what we view as like who's our constituency what's our mission right right um who are we like, serving right what's our money for <laughs> like yeah do we have a moral responsibility to be right. a big tent so we can help a lot of people or do we have a moral responsibility to be really specific with our issue like stances and risk and i think people? this is this is where like our our UUism of like being non-credal can get in our way because like other types of churches have missions, which is like we're going to go out into the world and spread the good news, right? Like from a Christian perspective. And that can be everything from we're going to try and convince you of a creedal idea to we're going to try and like live this teaching of love thy neighbor out into the community far beyond our walls um and because we don't do the we're gonna we're trying to convince you of something we're we can be a a little allergic to like 
you know, A, our community is still great and we can still tell you about it because you might actually really need a place to feel welcome. And B, like, we can go do what we do outside our walls. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. That's not, like, we're not infringing on other people's religious freedom when we're like, oh, I believe you should have bodily autonomy too. Like, that's not... Mm -hmm. But because we don't have this impulse to, like, go out and share, um, I think it it makes that step harder for us. Mm. As you use. Yeah. in our brains. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, like, so in the Water Communion um, sermon, you said, like made reference to community outside of our walls and mm-hmm. world building mm-hmm. and like what are our hopes for this community yeah um and i i heard someone say actually in a different like organizing context that like community is a word that we use a lot um <laughs> but it in some cases i mean it does mean drawing a line around who is in the community and who isn't um, not yeah. that that line has to be solid and impermeable. Right. right. Um, but it does include some kind of definition of like, right. who do you mean? Right. Um, and so I think that, I mean, that's obviously what we've been talking about is like, who do we see as our community? Like, where is that circle drawn and how, yeah. like, how solid is it? Like yeah. in in practice or in theory. Yeah. Um, like if it's a dotted line, who can fit through the breaks in it right. comfortably and who does want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And part of this, um, part of what's really different about this year is that this was the first se- like September service that we started in person since I started four years ago. Um, mm-hmm. which is wild. Um, and so I think part of like, part of what's going on too is because of COVID and the isolation of COVID and the sort of physical separateness of COVID and all kinds of organizations having to completely change how they functioned. Um, that question of like, who is our community? Where is our community? How do we intersect with other communities? All got like jumbled and not necessarily in bad ways but certainly in like this is all new and different and so now we're coming back to starting the year in sort of a like what used to be normal way but with sort of the benefits of what we've learned for the last couple years where we still have all these hybrid options um but then that presents this question of like okay so how's everybody else functioning and how are we going to engage in community and who's here and how do we reach out to people and like everything is different now um and so that was part of with that first service where i wanted like i want people to to feel more ownership over this community um because it's just it's been so like sort of oddly diffused and just strange for the last couple years mm-hmm. and we've changed so much because I think partially going through COVID too 
um, like we're so much more open to saying like, yeah, we'll do collaborative things on Zoom. Like we're part of these, like we started the Circle RE group and for like kids programming and we started the community collaborative that's all adult programming on Zoom, which like I don't think three years ago or like pre-pandemic, I don't think if we'd presented this idea of like this group of churches is going to offer adult classes online, like I don't think anybody would have shown up for that because it was too far outside of our understanding of how you could do community. Um, so I'm like, I'm really curious to see what this year is like. Um, mm-hmm. Because it feels like our first opportunity since I've arrived to actually try to be more like present and known and like, mm-hmm. we're open, <laughs> you can come. So, yeah, that was a long tangent. How many people, just out of curiosity, yeah. like come in person versus online to those hybrid services? I'm a really bad judge of this. Um, okay. Lisa Shumway takes attendance, so she actually knows. I don't take attendance at church. Okay. Whenever people sort of like guiltily tell me that they haven't been to church in a while and like apologize, I'm like, really? it's totally fine (laughs) like you do you come when you want to um let's see uh i'm gonna guess there are like 30 people in person and like 15 people online sort of running average um Mm -hmm. but it it like rotates because some people people will come online one week and come in person another week so there's like shifting back and forth yeah um so it's we've basically retained the same numbers as pre-COVID um, is my understanding, is which is pretty good because yeah. a lot of people saw like dramatic decreases. And yeah. then once they did reopen their sanctuaries, people didn't come back. Um, and we haven't had that issue, which I'm kind of amazed why. by. I wonder what the difference is, like why we didn't have one that of the differences is that um, the way that we did services was highly interactive because a lot of Mm. people stopped coming to church um, or like stopped going to other churches. I heard this from a lot of people um, because it was just pre-recorded. And so like you can do it whenever because so that feeling of we're together for this special time we set aside that didn't exist. Mm. Um, And to me, that's like that thing is more important than whatever I'm going to say to you. Right. Like, me yeah. me preaching is not the thing um that's not why it makes it like important right um so i think that that had a really big difference and people also like their priorities changed and if the community wasn't like truly serving their spirit and making them feel connected like i think the sense of obligation obligation Um, and sort of keeping up appearances like after two years no one sees you anyways (laughs) so like Mm -hmm. no one's keeping up appearances right because everything's Mm -hmm. different now um so i think it had to really matter to people um so and and some like we did surveys the first year um and people said it mattered coming to church mattered a lot more because people felt so isolated um so to me that says the more that we focus on connection and um, 
the sense of belonging and being in contact with each other, like that is that is infinitely more valuable than anything mm. else. Yeah. So. Did we get a lot of or any like new people who found us during the pandemic? We got a couple new people who found us and like were determined. Um, and so the people who showed up during the pandemic like showed up and stayed. Um, whereas starting last spring, there started to be like people sort of calling me. There are a lot of parents with little kids who were mm-hmm. like, my kids haven't been, you know, baptized or whatever. And like, we would like a community now. Um, and I'm curious to see how many of those people circle back. Um, cause life with small children is just <laughs> infinitely complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had like this past Sunday, we had like six visitors, which is Ooh. a pretty, like, that's a lot higher than it was pre-pandemic is my understanding um so because part of what happened too is a lot of people moved during the pandemic um so I've had more this like I was a UU in my old town and now I'm here so I'm part of your church like that phenomenon was like kind of watered down in the past whereas now like I've had a lot of people say that um Hmm. so yeah, it seems like people are more intentional about the ways that we're, that they're seeking out community. Um, so if they want to be there, then they really show up. So yeah, I mean, the the parents of young kids thing, like yeah, that that's is really why hard. My that's why my parents came to UCSW because yeah. of me. Yeah, um, totally. That's a thing. And it can also, it can be both, and this is like a thing that has been studied, that there's this gap where people tend to not go to church. I think the outliers were um, Judaism and Catholicism because they're culturally stickier, Um, but there's this gap where people don't go to religious organizations sort of in their 20s, like between college and when they have children, and then they have children and suddenly they're like, oh God. (laughs) I need help. This takes a lot of people. Um, But I would be curious to sort of see more like recent data on that because there's also the problem that like kids schedules are so wild Mm -hmm. that it makes it really hard. And and with more and more, you have to have a two family income. It just it makes things really complicated. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just need a day off. Right. Which like. Yeah. If that's if if staying in bed on Sunday morning is what's going to like make you feel whole, do it. <laughs> do not yeah. come to church. Like mm-hmm. you can find us on the internet. Listen to the podcast on like Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I used to wear my pajamas to church as a child. Amazing. You still can. So I <laughs> I did a nice combo. I remember <laughs> wearing my Winnie the Pooh oh my pajama pants. To church that's amazing they were not quiet they were bright <laughs> blue with winnie the pooh all over them great and i'm here for that i was totally unselfconscious about it <laughs> amazing you felt welcomed i sure did i was right like, that's where like i belong here <laughs> like kids rep- running up and down the like the between the pews and like that's great uh-huh. you feel like you can be yourself here that's a good yeah. thing 
Yes. So. Yeah, it is a good thing. And I think, um, I mean, I know that synchronicity of the online services and the interactivity helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the physical space is just a whole other thing. I know. Also, we haven't been in space. Like I, so I had this experience this week. Um, There's like a, my like political home has like a chapter structure. And so we had like, so I, I'm facilitating, I'm co-facilitating the meetings, like the all chapter meetings this fall. Um, And we had our monthly meeting in person last night Mm. for the first time since I have moved to Philly and been part of this group. Um, So you've maybe never, have you met these people in person? Maybe like one-on-one? I've met, we've done like other gather, like one or two other gatherings I can think of, but like... This is our first like regular like meeting that yeah. we're intentionally yeah, yeah. doing. Like that's usually on Zoom and then we had it in person. Nice. Um and it was like amazing. Yeah. It was like I know. It felt so different. And so like we've also been, you know, doing surveys or whatever. Like yeah. trying to find out like because when you do justice work together, similar to when you're in religious community together. You want to have relationships and trust and rapport and community. And so we were like, what makes you feel like how when you're coming newly into a space or when you're building trust with someone new, like, what's your favorite way to do that? And everyone said, be physically together (laughs) and eat. (laughs) Yeah, that's real. (laughs) Like share food and space and also of ourselves, like share vulnerable feelings. Yeah, be human together. Yes. Um, like so fully like, human. Yeah. The humanity of having a body and yeah. it like being a, a thing that you're for in. being that alive. Needs, yeah, yeah. Like being together, having a body together, having our feelings and fears and vulnerabilities yeah. together. Like just like, yeah, exactly. Like be human together. And it yeah. was, I mean, the difference is really kind of incredible. Um, plus there's always the linger. You know, the linger where people just like <laughs> this. So I will say like doing pastoral care get, yeah. <laughs> in the land of Zoom was really mm-hmm. complicated because mm-hmm. there was so much less like one to one. People can sort of pass you in the hallway and underhandedly mm-hmm. tell you something really important. Um, mm-hmm. And so so there was like a weird gap where there was a year like the the year of fully pandemic I felt really conflicted because I could not both like figure out how to make a church digital and do it well and like call everybody. It was like a two. I could not do all of those things simultaneously. I think I was also Mm -hmm. still three quarter time and I felt really bad because I was like not calling people, but I was like, normally I wouldn't be calling them like that would be this is a weird addition because normally they would like see me in the mail room when they're getting their name tag and tell me something right which is Mm -hmm. so like everything was different um and i decided that like keeping the organization well functioning had the biggest pastoral reach versus like one-to-one interactions so it's been Mm -hmm. interesting now because like starting last year i was known enough that people were comfortable just 
emailing me or calling me or making an appointment to talk to me. Um, And so this year has been really interesting because now I have both where people have gotten practice at like, just call Laurel if you need to talk to her. And like, you know, I'm going to sort of see you when I'm in the building and we're going to talk about a thing. Um, Mm. So it's been really interesting sort of adding back in the the like face-to-face humanity one of the things that I found really entertaining about like meeting people off of zoom is that on zoom you're all eye height (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you're all the same Mm -hmm. size which is not human people are not the same size (laughs) right like we're not little automatrons and so then meeting people who I like had affection for that were like colleagues that I'd been working with and then it was like oh we're like I'm like six inches taller than you I had no idea mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like uh-huh. there was a sweetness to that that's like right we're we're human we're not just yep. our little two-dimensional picture boxes mm-hmm. so I feel that we have also yeah, on this note we've same. started coffee hour um once a yes. month yes because we're trying not to burn people out on coffee on on like doing coffee hour because people don't really like setting up giant coffee urns so it's sort of a hard volunteer role to fill um but it's also really important to have so yeah good stuff that's another okay so this is another thing i've been thinking about a lot is like and so is the church is like capacity and like bandwidth and Mm -hmm. volunteer time and stuff like that like Physical in-person logistics are, can be inconvenient. Yeah. But I think they're... They're also worthwhile. Yes. And I am like, maybe you can help me figure this out. But there's something that like white supremacy-y to me about like thinking of yourself as having this like bank of bandwidth that is fixed that like <laughs> yeah well thinking about yourself as a lone individual well and also and like, not thinking as, about sort of as collective a, as a unit of production that has yeah a cap. yeah yeah like yeah it feels right because that also well and it also results in like we don't rest enough so we don't actually have like enough of ourselves to give when we need to because we're all too tired um, and it's also like it's it's sort of a yeah, it feels like, you know, we're like these fixed yeah, like production units with these fixed yeah. output capacities that we have to, right. you know, if maximize efficiency by right. juggling output. Right. And, like, Which is just- also like part of the magic of community is that there will be the people like you're really good at data and math which is amazing because other people aren't good at that, right? So like something, and like similarly, people, when other, when lay people lead Sunday services, they can get really overwhelmed. And Mm -hmm. I have to remember because I do it all the time. And so like I write sermons in like under four hours every week because I just, that's the amount of time I have left. Um, And like, I normally don't even really have time to like practice reading them out loud because like I do this Mm -hmm. all the time and this is only one part of my job. So for me, there's like a facility with doing that that other people don't have because they're not like, that's just not what they do. Um, And it's helpful to combine people, right? Like they're the people who 
their skill is like keeping things super organized. And they're the people where their skill is making people feel really seen. And like, mm-hmm. you can't quantify that in the same way, mm-hmm. but you also can't have a community without that. Um, yeah. So I also think it's interesting because this is one of the, the sort of big picture questions that the board has been trying to think about in the last last year and then into this year. Um, because there is this problem with volunteerism. And I'm, I think we've talked about this before where like, you know, to like everyone in the household has to have a job. You don't have women at home, um, who are expected to volunteer at churches, right? Like this old, like 1950s and 60s model, like died in the eighties and is still like kind of how churches are functioning, which is kind of also why they're having a hard time functioning. Um, and so with the board, one of this, these questions has been, how do we give ways that people can engage that like fosters the sense of belonging, but does not feel like they are under obligation to do things that they don't want to do and they don't have the time and the energy to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so like case in point, coffee hour, it's important. And getting people to sign up was like pulling teeth for Lisa. Lisa's our treasurer who already like volunteers so much that we're like, let, we don't need more things to stress mm. out the people who are already giving a lot. Um, yeah. So we're trying to like strike a balance, right? Um, and I actually had have a friend who um, went to went to the one of the UU churches closer to where I live um, a couple years ago, and she told me that she stopped going because she was a single mom with three sons. Um, and like she was constantly being asked to volunteer and so she she stopped going to this community to this congregation because they were asking so much of her that she did not have to give um Mm. which i was like aha this is like that's a good good thing to keep in mind um right because we can't like the the reason that people join a community is not to be a cog in the wheel of producing church, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. I'd rather it be like a loving disaster than like a super well oiled machine, because who wants that? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think like, so yeah, part of it is that we, the people who like are doing a lot of stuff, like we don't want to overload them, and I mm-hmm. think like. The language that we have around that is like capacity and bandwidth. And so like in practice, a lot of times we use that language to try to make space for rest for each other or ourselves. Yeah, but you turned yourself into an internet router. Yeah, like it seems seems to have, yeah, like sidestepped our humanity to try to find conversations to give us like valid reasons to rest. Yeah. Like, my valid reason to rest is, like, oh, I'm at capacity. I'm out of bandwidth. Yeah, like, no. I'd rather that it's, like, like <laughs> I'm going to volunteer My body is telling me this today. I know. I have to face plant now because I over-bandwidthed. Um, no, like, I would rather that people not default to volunteering and show up when it helps them feel, like, give them a greater sense of meaning and belonging. Like, when it adds and, value, yeah. it doesn't zap from their limited resources of production. Like, what? It's not. This is not an assembly line. Yeah. I think there's also, I mean, part of this, too, is about shifting from the charity 
to solidarity. Like there's something related yeah. to like the solidarity, yeah, yeah. not charity model. Right. That like respects... Do you want to explain that for people who might not know what that means? Yeah. So there's a lot of I mean, and this is super relevant to justice work that churches Oh yeah. Do have done. This is like liberation theology one oh one. Yeah. Yeah. So basically like there's a lot of criticism of like what's called the nonprofit industrial complex, which is based mm-hmm. on a charity model, which is like I have things, you don't have things. I, the person who has things, is going to out of the goodness of my heart or because I shall bestow my them upon you. Yes, exactly. Like There's, I which, have this like, thing has a power structure embedded in it. Right. I will bestow it upon you. Like decision making yeah. power stays with the people who are already resourced. Yeah. Um right. like defining the root or like understanding, shaping, giving language to defining the problem power, like that particular power also yeah. stays in the hands of the people who are already have resources. Right. Um which like in red the, flag. Yes. Um, <laughs> the nothing system already changes. benefited you. You might not have the best information. Right. Nothing changes about the underlying system that right. ends up with some people having resources and some not. Right. Um, there's no like critical discussion or theory or power analysis to like bring into the conversation around like, well, what if instead of me like at my whim giving you some of the stuff, like we had a system yeah. where everyone had what they need. I also think there's, like, an important piece where charity is about how good I am. Mm-hmm. Like, that, the motivation to do good is because I'm so good, right? Versus right. It's because a different model I'm... that's about shared humanity. Yes. So charity is, like, if you are a charitable person, that means you're generous and it's yeah. very individualistic, right? Like, yeah. I am, yeah. as an individual, my reputation will say that I'm generous. I will get social capital because people will think of me as a generous, good person. Right. I will feel the warm glow of knowing that, yeah. like, I did a nice moral I get to thing. Go to fancy parties. like a one-way, like, yeah. I was selfless. Um, You know, that that right. is, like, a traditional model. And if you don't do those things then you're like a bad selfish person, even if the issue is that you just don't have enough resources to do those things. Right. <laughs> right. So, or there's the like, well, it's their money. They can do what they want with it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether or not people choose to be charitable is this entirely personal decision and all of that kind of stuff. Ugh. So Ugh. that, <laughs> yes, I know. So that undergirds a lot of mainstream philanthropy and yeah. like nonprofits. Yeah. And it also like, professionalizes and silos different parts of the struggle so like power is never going to pay you to challenge it is like an underlying <laughs> that's rule such a good line so like that's like a whole t-shirt you don't get tax breaks for trying to build a different government okay yeah um yeah. shocker or <laughs> like a different government system like you get tax breaks because rich people build the rules and they don't yeah. want to pay taxes and they yep. want to maintain their reputation as right. and to themselves as, as nice well as people. like yeah yeah I'm a good person and right. I'm doing the right thing with this money so I deserve to continue to have more of it yeah. um because, and this all sort of started in like the 20s there's, there's also, an interesting history we're totally talking <laughs> we're so excited yeah because what else is new? <laughs> I, <laughs> 
because wealth is also dehumanizing, right? There's like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. this system that is supposedly supposedly like some people are winning. Like you're not winning if your your worth is conditional on giving away something that mm-hmm. you maybe shouldn't have to begin with. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not good either, right? Like yeah. the whole system. <sighs> Yes. So that's the charity model. Yeah. Um, And then by contrast, like the the like liberation theory moves you into a solidarity model. So like the phrase is solidarity, not charity. Yep. And solidarity, like you said, is about sharing humanity and it's it brings in self-interest that's rooted in liberation so like it is in my self-interest for my neighbor to have what they need yeah um because otherwise our world is less safe because like right because they're in higher risk yeah right threats to safety in general like usually come from not having what we need um like a scarcity of resources that result in having to battle too hard to survive Right. It comes from, like, it's the kind of realization that, like, hey, we're both harmed by the system. Like, both of us, the resourced and the non-resourced, are dehumanized by the, like, worship of resources and the way we we distribute them. Yes. Like, (laughs) we're both objectified by it. Yeah, for sure. Spoiler is directly in opposition to universalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's also, I mean, it can be really hard because it means like, and it can also feel nuanced to say like, oh, poor rich people whining. Um, right. But it's it's not about like. I mean, I'm not sure. Complaining I'm not sure why that helps. Enough. Right, yeah. right. The, the right. The the complaint is not like, oh, I wish I had more money. The complaint is if you've become object- objectified by your money, you've lost your humanity. So you want more humanity, which like, how yeah. can anyone? <laughs> what? Why would anyone think that's bad? <laughs> and it's also like, unless you've de- unless you've dehumanized right. them, which like case in point, right? That's the problem is people don't see people as being human, on either end of the and- spectrum. And also, like, coming to – so some sort of realizations that can move you towards a solidarity place if you're rich are, like, okay, like, I have leisure time because Mm -hmm. I have some resources left over. Like, not every minute of my day is dedicated to survival. So that means I have, like, true leisure time. Yeah. That means with that leisure time, I get to be creative, like, give myself space to have big dreams think about like maybe new stuff I want to do um like become a more fully expressed version of my humanity as a person and like you know let my full self become more part of the world which benefits my whole community right and everyone that I touch and talk to take care of my health all that stuff yep if your neighbor doesn't get to do that you are deprived of the full expression of who they're meant to be and who they are and could be. Right. So right. like if I have my you. leisure time yeah. and everyone else is working, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like everyone yeah. else is trying to survive. Like I'm alone. Yeah. Right. 
like you're still alone. Right. And on both ends still, of the extremes for different reasons. Yes. Like your community is impoverished by not having everyone able to contribute their full humanity to it. Right. By having the time and space to be creative and human and yeah. like silly, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like that kind of thinking that means like, hey, like liberation isn't real unless it's for all of us. And right. like and the, no one's free until we're all like, free. From my from my like glass house, I'm going to give you what you need, but stay here. That is yeah. very different from essentially like I miss you, right? Like I need mm-hmm. your humanity too, because mine isn't like we're not we're not whole without each other, right? Yeah. Like humans are social creatures. We're not. I don't know. Insert whatever creature is not social. <laughs> are there any? <laughs> That's it. I, that was where I was like, do I have an example of this? We're not rocks. <laughs> I don't know. No, maybe rocks are koala bears are like really mean about their territory. <laughs> Well, listen, boundaries are important. Uh, <laughs> we can still be ornery human humanity filled yeah. humans. Oh. Um, yeah, and solidarity like orientation also leads you to think about like the big picture instead of like yeah. just this one like my pet issue is like right. you know, homelessness. Well, it, or, like you can like, trust each other, right? You can trust yeah, and that- it's like Hey, everything is connected. Hey, like exactly, people who right. are like more on the front lines of survival know more than you, even if yeah. you did a bunch of like randomized control and... trials. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, right. There's a lot more respect for where and how truth can be produced in a way that we co-create yeah. it instead of it being controlled by people in power, like everything else. So it leads to more leadership by people who are directly impacted, um, you know, and like actually being more helpful because if you're in a charity space, you're like, (laughs) yeah, you're like, I think I have the answer. And like you, how would you know? Probably don't. If you're doing it by yourself, you definitely don't. Right. Because, like you don't have enough information. No one can get free alone. No one can yeah. free other people. Like we free ourselves together. So because we remember that the word freedom comes from <laughs> what is the base word Freya or something, which no, I don't know means essentially means like to belong to one another. Ah, I know. Whoever invented that word must have been a UU. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's maybe like an old like Celtic word, <laughs> but yes, interconnected. The, the Celtic you use from 1960. Um. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I'll also say like this. So liberation theology, which is a form of Catholicism that started in Latin America in like the 19 sort of 50s, 60s, 70s, when there was all this, you know horrible violence and the u.s imperialism messing things up and you know all kinds of really exciting horrible you know things um and so liberation theology was this response to the the power structure of sort of the overlords and the underlings um and in simple terms liberation theology it's a christian theology and so it was the idea about thinking about jesus not as a figure who saved you, 
right? Like up on high, but as someone who could help you survive because he had suffered in his own life and who, so he could accompany you on the struggle of living, which like right there in that description mm. of the sort of theological frame is the hierarchical power structure where someone is more important and someone needs to be saved. And conversely, this like shared experience surviving together um, and a collapse of the power structure. Um, so I think that's that's really important um, to, to, to like acknowledge too that the, these kinds mm -hmm. of ideas are not entirely new. Um, and, you know, they're also deeply rooted in religious traditions um, because now there's like black liberation theology. Like there are all these different kinds of ways of thinking about liberation theology, but it all, there's sort of this fundamental framework about like freedom together versus a hierarchical power structure of someone saving someone else. Hmm. I didn't know about that. That yeah. is I took a whole class on it. I went to Columbia. Important. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. I kind of got chills. Really intense. Yeah, no, it like, was really like I didn't understand Christianity and why it would could be like world building until I took that class and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to swear on our podcast, <laughs> but like, oh, I did <laughs> I've right? sworn on like, this podcast before. This is, it was, and honestly, it was like, as a person training to be a clergy person, I was like, this is in deeply sobering. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's a, um, Oscar Romero was assassinated <laughs> for li his liberation theology views the video there's a whole movie about him and it's like it's really gnarly and we watched it as part of our class and then we like went to these you know communities that did not have running water or electricity and like we didn't go on a Colombian vacation we went to like the places where we the local community people would not let us get out of the car and the windows had to stay closed um so and there was I should write a whole sermon about this <laughs> down a tangent because yeah. there was this one guy, there was this priest who was this deeply conflicting character because he was this like wealthy Italian, I forget what their hierarchy is, um, but he was like an Italian priest or bishop or like whatever, cardinal, I don't know. He was important. Um and because the Catholic Church actually has a huge amount of money, right? He was living this very lavish life um, and also had a lot of power of influence, um, but decided that he was going to move to Colombia and give up all his wealth and live in the community with these people because he felt convicted that he needed to convince them that they were beautiful, which is like... On the one hand, I like I just I still like this was like six years ago and I still don't know how to feel about it. Um, it feels a little condescending. Right. But he was like so, so convicted about loving people and he seemed to be doing some good in the community. And I was like, there's still this really complicated like also you gave up a position of power and is sometimes being powerful is really helpful too um mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. Anyways, long story. Huh. Haven't digested. <laughs> I want to hear a sermon about this. Write it, Cause it's Yeah, because it, it was just so complicated. It was so mm. complicated. And he said some, like, really difficult things that sounded pretty racist. But then, like, there's also, like, three language barriers. And it was just, like, oh, how... <laughs> I'm just thinking about, like, okay, if somebody... Like, if I was going about my day and someone showed up and, like, grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me and was like, I gave up my whole life because I I need to come tell you that you're beautiful. Exactly. I know. Because I don't, I don't think that you know this. (laughs) Like, stop thinking you're not beautiful. And I'm like, did I ask you to do this? Exactly. (laughs) Like, yeah. Right. Right. What what are you doing, weirdo? (laughs) Yeah. Like. (laughs) Right. Just, like, also, it would have been more helpful if you just, like, outsourced some of your wealth. Yeah, like, (laughs) why didn't you ask us what we wanted you to do with your power? If, like, that's, if you're trying to redistribute it, like. Which, honestly, I think was was part of the, the point of meeting this guy was to help because, like, you know, my class was, like, mostly, I was the only person who wasn't Christian like spoiler because I went to Yale <laughs> shocking went to Yale mm-hmm. and I was the only non-Christian clergy person in this group um and so this like s- the complicated like missions and salvation and it just was all real and like Jesus saving people like the whole thing was just really complicated mm. Anyways, we're like mm-hmm. very afar afield from talking about water communion and the room in the basement. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> I forget why we brought up the solidarity, not charity thing. Oh, it's around have we, have we volunteerism not, in the church. Yeah. Have we not That's gone why. past our opening question? It's possible. <laughs> about the, well, the training listen. that we did this summer. <laughs> listen, I am like backdoor sneaking in the questions. Okay. Just, okay. So yeah. See, so you're so smooth. <laughs> We're covering everything. We're so good at this. We don't even practice. Yes. And it's so a complicated smooth. dance routine. I ask questions without even like letting you know <laughs> that I'm setting Amazing. you up to prompt you. But like, Teamwork. yeah. So coming back to like volunteerism in the church, right? Like yeah. if you're like in a place of like I want this to exist so like I'm gonna build it yeah like as opposed to like someone asked me to do this and I think it's like a good I guess it's a good thing to do like good people volunteer for their churches okay yeah like bringing some self-interest into it can move you into a more solidarity place yeah around well and this is where I keep going yeah no I was done and this is where like this reproductive rights group that we've sort of inadvertently started this summer we're trying to stay in that place where like churches are filled with committees and committees some people really like committees and some people want to run away from committees because it Mm -hmm. feels like it like once you sign up to lead a committee you'll never leave and you just have a lot of meetings and then wonder what happened from the meetings. Like the meeting is sort of the point of the committee is just to have meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying again in this big picture question of like, how do people participate in a way that's authentic and not like 
you know, we're pulling teeth. And so with this reproductive rights group, like there's, it's not a committee. We don't have a chairperson where there's no agenda and maybe someone's taking notes for their own purposes, but like, it's not a committee. It's a group of people who were like spurred on by something and then collectively agreed to go through this process together of going through this three-part training this summer. Um, And now we've collectively decided that we're going to like do some work around this thing and we're going to do some um, like reflecting on how, how we organize. But if it stopped, like, there's not going to be like there can sort of be this natural ebb and flow versus like there's this problem at the end of the church year where there's a committee and nobody wants to chair the committee. And then what do you do? And then there's sort of this like weird existential like, are, are we dying or, you know, like mm-hmm. it's are we falling apart when it's like, no, things pop up and grow and change and things have seasons and they can serve their function. And then like we don't need to have a committee for every topic. Um, so I'm like very compelled by the way that we're, that this group is coalescing together, um, because it feels very different and it feels, it feels much more, um, I don't know, collaborative because there isn't Mm -hmm. that power structure. Uh, and sort of people are voluntarily taking things on and offering to do things. And what we do is based on what people offer, not some expectation of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's a really interesting sort of internal culture change, which I think is really mm-hmm. promising. It's like, yeah, I mean... There's this emergent strategy series that I've not read very much of, but <laughs> I know talk about I haven't it a lot. either. I think I'm going we need to, to like read a it. workshop about it tomorrow night. <laughs> I think I signed up for like a series of convert, and I yeah, I know there are a lot of things I haven't read that I should read or could read. Right. I could read that. I have not that yet read that. That would be a thing I could read. But there's yeah. something about like the you know, you have to make the work irresistible, not just like tolerable or like, yeah. you know, doable. Or That's an amazing bandwidth. idea. Well, like, this is, we've talked about this with like liberation and justice work has to be joyful. Right. Like if it's yeah. not, then what? <laughs> like, what are not you doing? Not just joyful, but like the word they use is irresistible. Like yeah, can you that's even a, that is a tall order. Believe. But that comes from like, I mean, that's more like, I think it's more like the revolution needs to be irresistible or something, not like. Yeah, well, are. this is the like, the <laughs> like the what whatever that like Instagram or Pinterest quote is. It's like the the right. pain of staying small has to be greater than the pain of changing or whatever. I think there might be a flower metaphor involved. Um, <laughs> Maybe no one the else. The pain of Pinterest. change. <laughs> no, my like my mom has said this to me. Like the pain of change becomes yeah. smaller than the pain of staying the same. Exactly. Um, yeah. But that's like, okay, that's like where I go to where the least pain is. That's fun. Yeah. Um, no, right, right, right. <laughs> like it's, it's, I mean, thinking about, and that involves like, that's hard because it involves connecting to what you actually want, what you actually crave, what you actually need. Which means and that involves being grief. attuned to your, Yeah. Because it's right because saying, you have to like, acknowledge what, what you haven't had, 
Yes. Like when you feel, when you let your full needs really be felt in their full, like desperate wildness, like, ouch, it sucks. It's a gut amazing punch. Because this is what I'm going to preach about on Sunday, which I have not written yet. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Courage to Change because, you know, I have to write blurbs about sermons like far before I ever write them. Uh-huh. And then sometimes they yeah. are about what I said they would be about. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk more about this next month. But that's a good, the grief part is a good thing to remember. That's because that it hurts to be hopeful because it means you yeah. have to think about how beautiful something could be and yeah. there's necessarily a gulf there right? between how it is. And like that gulf is a unmet need. Like that's yeah. what's in there. <laughs> and it, you know hard to acknowledge it's painful and it's really vulnerable i know because like which people hate even though it's like the source of all generativity yeah but not productivity just generative no so we can be productive without being generative i know this is not like building machines this is like moss growing Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah what a metaphor well i don't have any more questions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you did <laughs> I didn't give my like church update I'm not sure that I have a lot to say other than church has started also we're working on starting owl which is totally a justice thing um nice which is our like version of comprehensive sex ed and relationship skills and consent and bodily autonomy and you know all that kind of good stuff um I that even it. when I had to take a like a weekend training on, you know, how not to be a creep, basically, <laughs> when I was uh-huh. in grad school, which they should definitely make everyone take. Um, yeah, and they talked about how OWL is like the gold standard for um, sex ed curriculums. So I was like amazed that, you know, even they knew they were really good at this one particular thing or also good mm-hmm. at other things. Um, so we're working on doing that, but we're playing catch up from COVID, which has made it infinitely complicated um Mm -hmm. so we're trying to do both high school catch up for the um teens who were in middle school during covid who are now in high school so they missed owl um Mm. and do the middle school owl for the kids who are currently in middle school um so it's a it's a project but like a very worthwhile one so i think that's the big big news maybe we should also we have a, there's actually a third party listening to us. I'm totally outing Meredith right now. Um, she doesn't have a mic, so she can't talk on the podcast. Um, but I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast last year. Um, so Meredith is a member of the congregation who is a journalism professor um, and who writes books, right, as part of her job. Um, and she needed a new project where, I mean, I'm not a journalist, so I probably won't talk about this the right way. Um <laughs> But a sort of subject to do this, like, long form shadowing someone and then writing uh, creative nonfiction to tell a true story about something. Um, So she's doing that about me (laughs) this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a way of talking about sort of modern religion in general and like as a microcosm to talk about a macrocosm. Um, hmm. And the this sort of weird time in history of um, post covid so Meredith is following me around with a notebook and she keeps mm-hmm. saying that she's annoying, but she's really not. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it's a cool project that we're doing this year. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, Big news. I remember when I did Owl. Uh, oh, yeah. I, as someone who gets validation from academic style achievement. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, Me too. <laughs> we had like Clearly. a final, like our last session was like Jeopardy, like a fun oh, Jeopardy, like to review all the stuff. And yeah. I took it so seriously. seriously. Oh, my gosh. Everyone was we like, weren't an owl together, we would have been competing. <laughs> God, Laurel. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Like that. everyone else was like, kind of like goofing around and like yeah, eating snacks. Giggling and, and I like, was, like blushing. It's like, <laughs> what is a condom? <laughs> what is <laughs> like? <laughs> what is chlamydia? What is consent? Mm, um, that's that's important. That's a really good thing to know. Very, very yeah. seriously. So my yeah. mom was told later that I was like the star pupil. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't. I doubt she was surprised. <laughs> she was not surprised at all. Um, oh. But in case people wonder when our personalities form, it's early. Um. <laughs> And also, unsurprisingly, my church that was, like, brand new and meeting in the American Legion Hall did not have OWL because they were just figuring out how to exist. Mm -hmm. So I feel strongly sort of about OWL by the converse of I did not have it. And I'm, like, was kind of devastated when I found out later that it existed. And I was like, wait, what? This was here the whole time? And, like, I didn't. Oh. So it's important. These things are, are a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, another fun memory was we were in the church, like the room where we have like coffee hour and stuff. Um, and we were having our condom session where like (laughs) they hand out condoms so you can like feel what they feel like and like put them on your hands so you can like feel what it feels like through them and just like get experience, like having touched a condom, like knowing what it is. And so we were, I mean, we were in middle school. We were absolutely hysterical. Like we were. I'm sure. (laughs) We were out, like we were giggly. Okay. (laughs) Um, And just like putting them on our feet and like running. Like it was was ridiculous. It was gross. Um, And then we had pizza ordered. Yeah. And the oh, delivery guy show up? <laughs> the, deli- the pizza delivery guy came in and takes a look around and is like, what kind of a church is this? <laughs> oh my gosh. You were like the best kind. Do you want to come yeah. here? And we're like trying to tip the poor guy in condoms. It was a lot. There was a oh lot going on. That's amazing. So And people yeah, think church is boring. Um... <laughs> this is definitely not. Also, I'm pretty sure, like, our parents had to approve some of the imagery ahead of time. Oh, yeah. They have to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a parent session before. Mm -hmm. So they have to watch. There are these, like, um, pencil drawings of Uh all kinds of things. Do they still (laughs) use the ones of, like, the lesbians by the waterfall? On the rock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) The curriculum has not evolved. It's so this is where this is part of what's making it really complicated this year. Um, is that they're updating the 
of that high school owl curriculum because those drawings uh-huh. like they've <laughs> i think they've become cool again because they were made in like the 90s like so the fashion vintage. in the uh-huh. right like the the hairstyles and everything in the images is mm-hmm. like now acceptable again <laughs> um but obviously they like they're expensive and a lot to get produced and there's a lot of thought that goes into them but there are some that do feel sort of hilariously stereotypical uh-huh. like the lesbians on the hike having a <laughs> sexual encounter <laughs> which is Listen, great right that's great too nature, it just okay. is really funny <laughs> <laughs> we can embrace yeah. it lovingly yeah this is what i this is what i remember <laughs> i learned a lot of important lessons most of which are about like the fact that you should definitely pay attention because there might be jeopardy about it <laughs> um oh my god also it's like an important life skill too uh, laurel whatever i know that's so secondary <laughs> we're such hermione's oh my gosh i know um, it's you fine. know gotta embrace ourselves and our fullness uh-huh yeah <laughs> um and i think we're fully done have we fully podcasted podcast we're out I of steam um, Amazing! Well, it's been like an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> this has been delightful as always. It absolutely has. I yeah. at some point maybe this podcast will be under an hour. Probably not. Probably never again. <laughs> um, I think fine. it just keeps getting longer and longer because now we're just really good at like going delving into yeah, this ideas. This tracks. Yeah. like mostly ideas about like you know lesbian drawings at waterfalls. <laughs> God, we're gonna get like banished from Apple Podcasts. No, it's um, we better not. If they flag lesbian as like a Come bad on. word, I mean, yep. like, but like Tumblr did that at one point. Like, really, th- it's flagged as like not safe for work if you use the word lesbian. Like NSFW. What? Like this Lesbians is like vulgar go to work. content. I know. Oh my god! Because it's like because like apparently. Right. There's some if you're some queer, people, you're just deeply sexualized, right? But also, like some search terms associated with lesbian are not safe for work, as it turns out. So, like yeah. some of it was algorithmic, like right. they were associating this with like how people use like <laughs> the internet. Sometimes right. I'm talking around right. it a little bit, but it's like, yeah. yeah, it was very. I mean, it's really upsetting. That like, jeez. Hey, it's not like. See, and this is where like, we, like we laugh, but it's like yeah. it's a good thing that there's the like, you know, the drawing of the lesbians on the rock. <laughs> it's just so yeah. It is really funny. But anyway, in a, in lesbian is not a dirty way. word. No, of course not. Yes. Oh my gosh. So cool. If we get flagged. I'm taking it. To the media, We're gonna fight it, and I am gonna complain. <laughs> this is our religious freedom. Right? Yes. Cool. Great. Okay. Great note to add. End on. <laughs> Excellent. Until podcast, next time. Ten out of ten. No notes. And signing off. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome.